It's happening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, your favorite Catholic podcast. No, nothing. no. You were gone for a week. That's my job now. <laughs> oh, okay. He, he just hit his head. <laughs> you did. You did. A nice loud thump for the audio. Yes. <laughs> so, Stephen, why don't you bring uh, us in? Try to compare to my awesome intro. No, Go. you've already done it. You've already ruined it. We're back. It's happening. Welcome. You've all missed me. I'm sure. <laughs> said no one ever. Not even my wife and kids miss me. Aww. It's really sad. Not even my dog misses me. He literally goes to the other side of the couch. I'm the only one at home. My, my wife and kids have been gone for two weeks. He goes to the other side of that couch and goes to sleep. And I'm just, you don't even want to be pet? Okay, whatever. It's fine. Not from you. I don't Not have... from you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> A good day, sir. You stay on your side of the couch slash bed. Is your dog British? <laughs> is it yorkshire terrier <laughs> that's not true he's a multi-poo he's a multi-poo i get my man card taken every time i say the phrase multi-poo mm. i too have a multi-poo sir they're awesome yes they are so smart best dog ever yeah. yes yeah super smart I, I drop them off at my parents house they watch the dog whenever you know things happen and i have had zero problems he's just like oh, i'm here i'm gonna growl for a minute and then i'm cool it's yep. awesome whereas my brother dog they're the uh, his dogs are crazy. Your brother dog or your my brother dog? My brother, <laughs> my brother from another species slash mother. My brother's dogs are crazy. Hey, we have a guest today. Hey, he's back. Speaking of brother dogs, yeah. he's back for round two of our July series on liturgical music. Everybody just went to sleep. the whole everybody. Either people, the whole internet went to sleep. Either people went to sleep or people are gearing up to rage. Yeah. <laughs> there is no in-between anymore in society. <laughs> there's no cake. There's no ice cream. They're only extremes. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So last week, should we give... Uh, yeah, give me a recap. A I didn't watch recap. it because of internet. I didn't watch it either. I lived it. Um, just like the mask. Just like the mask. <laughs> so, uh, so last week, we talked a little bit about kind of... Uh, Speaking of extremes, that was kind of what we talked about a little bit. The traditional versus contemporary camps that you hear, uh, which are always the loudest. Either I love traditional or I love contemporary. And we actually got a great email feedback from one of our beloved parishioners, Mr. Stan Muckenthaler. Grandpa! Grandpa! That's right. My kids call him Grandpa, too. Yeah. Uh, so, and he wrote in, and, uh, and he kind of gave Josh and I some great perspective. He said, I heard you guys talk a lot about the extremes, like organ versus guitar, that sort of thing. He's like, but what about? All those other instruments yeah. and things that can blend. Where's Hashtag the middle? Oboe, yeah. Which is awesome, too, because I think <laughs> that represents the silent majority. You know, that balance is right in between, and that's where most people, most churchgoers yeah. are are living. Like, mm -hmm. that's, you know, uh, but we do tend to go, oh, no, all traditional, all contemporary. Yeah. But but I think, yeah, he made a great point about uh, the balance and the silent majority right in the middle. Yeah. Josh, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. you yeah. got to talk into this microphone. Hey, or, let's get in real close. Pull, no, no, no. pull it closer, pull it closer, to, your closer to you. I've never used these Just before, closer to your I've skull. I've got notes, though. I can't. I, well, no, put them to the side. <laughs> we have a veritable table to yourself. Jeez. The only reason why I say that is because I have so many podcasts, and I'm always yelling at Luke, even though I have multiple podcasts, I always yell at Luke, talk into the microphone, bro. Get closer like, to the microphone. Yeah. So, But the extremes are good in the fact that they teach us. Yes. Right, they, they they try to present the best of their form in, in a lot of occasions. And so when you have an extreme of, say, and I don't just want to use the word extreme because it always sounds like they're fighting each other. Politicized. Yeah. Um, but the idea of traditional music is something that's very important because there is a difference between music and sacred music. There There is a thing that exists in the world called sacred music from which, it, or 
it came from the heart of the of the liturgy. That explains so much as to why I could never get Gregorian chant to show up on TRL in the nineties. I would request it every day, <laughs> and Carson Daly would never. Just it was never in the it. top ten. It was uh, never in the top ten. That's a shame. Ubi yeah. Caritas requested it every day, <laughs> yeah, except for that Enigma. <laughs> Remember that band Enigma, where they had some Gregorian chant fake stuff in the background oh, yeah. of their yeah. And, quasi electronic. Yeah, and Inya, right? She was on there, maybe. No, a couple of she was. She was not on there. Yeah, well, that Orinoco flow speaks to my heart every time. I'm waiting for that for the first communion hymn. Orinoco flow. I just totally derailed this conversation. You did. You did. I'm sorry. So going back to what I was saying so masterfully, the idea of <laughs> sacred music came from a culture, a thoroughly Christian culture, and came from the liturgy to serve the liturgy and the people of the liturgy. So, for instance, you know, we have the rise of things like Gregorian chant, and which preceded Gregorian chant is Hebrew chant that is linked to the temple liturgies, right? Like the praying of the Psalms that were written. Um, you know, the problem is the temple was destroyed in the, in the 500s, and then the second temple comes about. But there were choir, like when you read the Psalms, they'll say for the choir master, you know, or a Psalm of, of, of David or whatever. These were Psalms that were songs. They were sacred music sung in the temple. And if you don't ever read the Psalms, I mean, if you don't do liturgy hours, at least a little bit, I mean, the rhythm that it produces and all that stuff, the rhythm, feel the ride, cool runnings. It's amazing uh, <laughs> when you have this stuff. But, but sacred, and sacred music, like I said, comes from and returns to the liturgy. But then the idea of, like St. Paul, greet one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, the idea that we can take secular forms and weave Christian themes, elements, songs into them and we're not trying to baptize a medium. Like, we're not taking a rock and roll. I'm going to make a Christian rock and roll. No, because that, that never works out well. It does not. It just sounds cheesy. Yeah. But you can take it and develop. Like, I think of, like, the beauty of praise and worship is similar to the Psalms in that it's simple, it's repetitive, and it hits the classical themes of praising God, the, the glory themes of the Psalms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what, would you, what do you think about that? Yeah, what's well, a great point. Well, first of all, the, the notes you're talking about in Psalms, there's a note often that you see, Selah, S-E-L-A-H. You'll yeah. see that out to the side of the, uh, which I think is awesome that that there were notes, even as those scriptures yeah. were being written, there's like notes to the the singer of the Psalms. Yeah, and we don't um, even know what that means. Right. In, in We don't know how to translate that word, so you'll just see Salah or Selah. Right. Yeah. Right, so which, is, which is beautiful. Um, and then you're, you're kind of speaking a little bit to um, to, to style versus uh, versus the value of music. I think there's a danger in when when we go to when we go to church and we go well, uh, and th this I see this so often. Um, bad music being played in the liturgy, and then we determine that we don't like that style of music because mm. it was done poorly, poorly in that instance. Mm. Uh, and I, th I think there's a danger in that because there, there's lots and lots of beautiful music that music that can be done um, on a violin. Let, let's use a violin, for example, because a violin can be a beautiful instrument, can be done really, really well. I've heard violins in weddings and I've heard violins in masses and I've heard violins in country music. And I've heard them done really well in all of those settings and all those styles. Um, I've also heard it done really, really badly. And The and violin is one of those instruments. Come yeah. And they, <laughs> <laughs> like, Unless you know how to play it well, 
it is the worst instrument on the face of the earth. Right. It is right. what, it's like, it is the extremes. It is either beauty. Someone who's been practicing for a long time to play violin is watching this and weeping. Right. I'll never, yeah. I'll never get enough for Gomer. Yeah, said no one ever. That is, that is not a stand. That's lower than government work. Good enough for Gomer. What's that? Just giving up and going and eating ice cream? No, it's true, though. I, I mean, I've yeah, if you don't know how to play violin, you probably shouldn't. Try to play it at a liturgy. Yeah, definitely don't do it at mass. Yeah, yeah. And so, so sing to the Lord. Music and divine worship, which is a document that the USCCB put out. Oh, you don't say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sing to the Lord. And uh, have they updated they the cover talk of it? About that? Yeah, they have. As a oh, matter of okay. fact, yeah. <laughs> they put a new cover. Nothing else is new, but they added a new photo of an awkwardly aimed choir photograph someone took while they were walking uh <laughs> you guys are gonna have bishops so angry at you that contributed to that <laughs> they, um, they don't listen to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> so um so anyway they talk about that though musical style yeah. versus uh versus the value of music and um we talked about this a little bit last week how culture comes into play because mm-hmm. there there are in africa for example there's different styles of music that are going on that you might not hear at a liturgy here you might hear them there yeah and they have um, sacred forms of those music that's incorporated in the liturgies for over a thousand years yeah right. I, I have a friend who uh her family's from Eritrea, the Horn of Africa. Awesome. She, she used to work over at Prince of Peace. Safanet. Love Safanet. And she was telling me, she actually sent me a video of, I think it was the Easter Vigil Mass. I might be wrong, or Divine Liturgy, where the, the it's not Ethiopian Orthodox. I don't know the name of the, of the Eastern Church. No, but they have a liturgical dance that they do with the gospel at a certain point. And they walk, and it's like they take two steps forward and one step back. And they do that throughout the whole church. So it's not like they're getting down and shaking it. Right. But the, it is a heavily... And by shaking it, you mean shaking the gospel, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to assume. Yes, yes. Like shaking the gospel uh, like a Polaroid picture, if you will. Got it. Um, uh, <laughs> but they don't have... There is no reverence on this podcast. <laughs> not yet. Uh, <laughs> until they change those laws. Um, but what we're doing, what, what ends up happening, right, is... There is a definitive difference, like sacred dance does not look like their normal dance. Sacred music does not sound like right. their normal music. And so even like when, when I remember in the 90s, right, when liturgical dance, like everyone was like, well, the, the Bible says like David danced mightily before the Ark of the Lord, and the Ark is like the, like the, the, the tabernacle, so we should dance in front of it. And it's like, okay, this is what I'm just going to say, <laughs> like... There is a difference between in all of Eastern and Middle Eastern cultures. They have sacred. I blame names. it on all the '90s graduates from Franciscan University. <laughs> yeah, I blame person. I blame all of that on them. No, I blame not the ones that graduated <laughs> after that. Yeah. All of you that graduated from the '90s in Franciscan University, you were responsible for this madness, and I know, I know, I saw it, I witnessed it in my own parish, <laughs> and I'm still angry about it. <laughs> However, <laughs> the uh, so there there is a beautiful symmetry in that. There is, there is always, it's always seen as sacred, right? And so it's not like we're just sitting there and we're bringing, you know, doing the mashed potato and the, the twist into mass, right? Because that's the thing with the sacred, with, with liturgy and culture is within cultures, they had sacred dance. We don't, we have ball- we have artistic displays of dance, but we don't have a thing called sacred dance in the West, mm-hmm. right? Out, you know, Native American cultures might have something that they would distinguish, right? But we don't. And so that's why it's never been a part of the Roman rite of the liturgy. 
And so when people in the 90s were going, or 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, when they were, liturgical dance was like the hot new thing. It's like you're importing traditions that don't belong to us in all the wrong ways, right? Mm -hmm. And so the liturgical flow of this stuff, I just think, like, for me, praise and worship is such a, it is meant to be a cry of the heart, right? This, like, this is what I want. This, it's very aspirational in the music, so or in the lyrics. So the music is, you know, it often has the swell, the drama, the bridge that's repeated. I don't know. So I, I find, like, how quick we devolve into rage monkey camps uh, can tend to get, like, wildly out of control when things... Well, I mean, in fairness, I don't really want to see you whipping your chapel veil back and forth like in the mass. I mean, yeah. you know, because they're gonna wear one. Yeah, well, not, not a public mass. I did. I did one time. I side note. I did see one time <laughs> praise and worship at Steubenville. I used to run the lyrics one time. This visitor, I think she graduated in the '90s. Anyways, she came back and she was literally doing this thing where she's like whipping her hair back and forth, and it is burned in my brain now as like this this permanent like, characterization of what not to do during liturgy <laughs> so anyways i digress it's burned in my brain i'm scarred so you I were talking i made prayers about, for healing yeah yeah no kidding so you were talking about this document from the usccb right what was it called yes yeah, sing to the lord music and divine worship mm -hmm. uh but even as you were talking just now you kind of moved into uh some things that i read in sacrosanctum concilium Ooh. Uh, ooh now we're getting into which which is perfect because it was written in 63 1963 which is about the same time as the dance references that you made with the mashed potato <laughs> yeah. and the twist so uh so i think we're going to homeschool it's the only song i was allowed to listen to <laughs> but we but 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 we talk about like some of the the culture yeah uh, that that stuff comes into to what we do in the liturgy and so while while the pipe organ is uh held in high esteem as it says mm -hmm. in in sacrosanctum uh the there are there is room for other other instrumentation as well and and to stan's point what the, the email that he sent what i think is brilliant that he brought up is that is the balance and right. and I, I think it that we'd be remiss if we didn't get to that that balance of uh what does it sound like if we have an organ but we also have strings and we also have an acoustic guitar and an oboe um, and an oboe hashtag well, oboe what what if we what if we combine that instrumentation to bring together the best of what our culture is in the west and and present that before the lord as as something beautiful and divine and and hopefully that can uh lead us and the assembly to prayer right mm -hmm. um, and so that so that's i think in, in my in my intention as as a music director that's the hope is that we can find the balance of, of all of those things, the best of, bring it together. And uh, Sacrosanctum says that liturgy and worship, um, or liturgical worship rather, in its most noble form is, is, is when there is singing mm -hmm. attached to it. And so I, I just think that's a beautiful image. You yeah. know, like what, what can we add to this? What can we bring to the table? Yeah, you know, when St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the use of music in the liturgy, he said, he used a Latin word, utilitas. It's useful, right? And Cardinal Ratzinger, I can't remember what book it was. Uh, might have been Salt of the Earth, one of those interview books where a journalist comes. I just want to point out, Stephen Lenahan just checked out, and he was in a far distant place. No, he I was wasn't. Staring on the side. You didn't even blink, brother. <laughs> what? It was like, like I was checked out. I was no, listening fair intently. Enough, fair enough. Not checked out, but like you were, in, you were in a happy place. You look like a happy place. 
happy place because I was talking. That's what happened. He took him right to his island. It's because you won't ever shut up. I know. It's so hard. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like a shark. If I stop swimming, I die. Um, <laughs> Cardinal Ratzinger had mentioned he was critiquing Thomas Aquinas, as one does. And uh, he said, oh, sorry. he on. said, the use of the word utilitas is important. It's useful to draw people into the liturgy and to pray the prayers of the liturgy. He said, but Aquinas stops there. And this is kind of a, an indictment of Aquinas uh, because he doesn't really develop a theology of beauty. And beauty is to the glory of the Lord. If you read in the book of Exodus where they fashion the tabernacle, and the, the, which is the tent that carried the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant, the word like for the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is the reason why they use gold and purples and blues, which are royal colors. Right. It's beautiful things exist without utility. And it's it's almost like this beautiful, it's almost like a beauty is almost a sign of grace in a in a such a an amazing way. I'm trying to not use the word beautiful again, because it's gratuitous. It's not necessary. In terms of, I can't use a beautiful thing to accomplish something else. It's not a tool. Like, it's a, a painting doesn't get something done. But what beauty does is it lifts us up to the glory of the Lord. And so, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger at the time writing, he said that the, the notion of, of pulcare, or pulcher, I never want to say it in Latin, but beauty is the sufficient reason for singing in, in the liturgy. Um, we need to bring in and develop singing and forms of singing and return to traditional forms of singing and you know, the Renaissance and all these different things where beauty was the reason why mm. our highest for, or, or what was it? Our highest for his utmost or our utmost, utmost for his highest. highest. Yeah. Mm. Like that, like the best I can give you Lord, not the leftovers not, you know, this, the best I can give you. And, and that was Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Emeritus Benedict, his vision of music and the liturgy. Mm. So what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Just stared at me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Ratzinger? Is yeah. that? Yeah. How many syllables is <laughs> that? <laughs> well, you're quoting documents. I got to quote Ratzinger. Yeah, no. I, so in Sacrosanctum, it's. I'm just the gesture. Go on. That, that uh, Gregorian chant has pride of place in the Mass. And so, so here we've taken the seven o'clock Mass and we've made that kind of our our chant mass and the idea is that we will grow that into Who, what's, what's the young man that chants at the 7 a.m mass i shall i shall he is awesome he's very good oh my very god especially for that early in the morning yeah, yeah right because that's kind of become my mass for checking people in stuff like that for oh. ushering during covid and i so normally i would not be up at that hour but during all this i've been going and it's like wow man i could not just walk in and start doing that ever I but know. especially not at 7 a.m yeah. yeah and he's unfazed by it too which i love I, I'm yeah I'm not, I don't like to sing at 7 a.m. in the morning. I believe it, yeah, because yeah. your vocal cords aren't. Do, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't like to listen to you sing at 7 a.m. So thank God for my show, <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, so so I think chant that's has why pride of place. That's right. And, so what does pride of place mean? Well, so I, th I think there's a couple of things. In if this you had instance. listened last week, you would know the answer to this question. Go on. <laughs> but I didn't, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, so the voice is, mm -hmm. is most important. So, so we, we each have a voice as choir members. We have a voice. We lift the mass in that way. But we also, uh, when we come together as the body of Christ and, and provide our, our voices to that and we participate fully and actively, then, then we are becoming, I think, closer as the body of Christ, and and we are somehow connecting more with the Eucharistic body of Christ as well in that process of lifting our voice and chanting, just in its simplest form. We don't need 
we don't even need polyphony. We don't need uh, uh, harmonies. We don't we don't need necessarily um, uh, pianos or any of that. We can just do dope it beats, by singing a melody, and that's, mm. and dope beats, and dope beats. So, can I ask you a follow up question yep. that I feel like maybe someone on Facebook watching this might might chime in? If the phrase is "it has pride of place," or mm-hmm. what was it? Is that what it was? That's right. Pride of place. Yeah. Why not do it more than just at the the early morning mass? Why don't we weave it through all of our liturgies? Or yeah. that's a great question. You know, whatever. Uh, because I think we get we get into the the place that we were just talking about before. I think we get into the idea of of culture and what is the musical style mm-hmm. again going back to sing to the Lord. What is the musical style that speaks to the heart, and what's the musical style that is most artistic? Uh, to your point earlier about Ratzinger and art, if, if art is made to lift us, to lift our souls, to lift yeah. our spirits, um, then we then we've got to find a way to connect. Right, that's what art's doing. Uh, it's helping us connect with what's going on around us. Um, right now, the things that that musically uh, that help me connect are uh, it's it's a more contemporary sound right now, and mm-hmm. I think maybe that's that's true for a lot of people. Um, but it's not for everybody. And, and so that's why I think we're trying to find different spaces and different styles still done really well, but different styles that can speak to the different assembly members, the different parishioners. Well, and that's also why, like, we haven't, you know, we talked, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but we've had some people that have been concerned that, like, we've done away with traditional mass uh, music here, which is not true. Um, we have pivoted a little bit in the early stages of this whole coronavirus thing because we didn't have the organ uh, piped into the live stream. And it was like, we're not going to play this instrument if it's going to sound, you know, like Poor, right. pours. I was going to say warm garbage, but yeah, like warm garbage on the live stream. Like even though the people in the church uh, would be able to hear it really well, those on the live stream would hear this really poor sound. And so that's kind of been a priority is before we kind of bring that back up to speed yeah. as much as we can without a choir, uh, let's at least get the instrument itself piped in, which is a lot harder. How do you how do you mic the organ? Yeah, because that's a lot like different a piano than is a the piano. the hammer hits the right. It's called the hammer, right? And it yeah, hits right. the strings. You yeah, just right. put a mic in the the, the, the thing. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And uh, but the the pipes like do they have so do eloquent. we have physical pipes? We do. We actually have speed. This organ has speakers. This is an amazing organ that we have, uh, but it is largely electronic, and so uh, it, it's all coming through speakers. So we we just mic'd the organ speakers themselves not the main speakers where all the sound is coming. so you have a microphone in front of the speaker we literally put a microphone in front of and do you like that sound speakers. is that working well um so so it's, jay is saying it's no working, but, not, but not like we'd like it to so there's a buzz somewhere there's a 60 cycle hum somewhere it's an electronic thing ground issue somewhere we gotta find it we're gonna find it though we're committed to fighting it mm. um it it'll work actually. I mean, we could. We I just, did, it's when, just when, not. The, but see, awesome. this is a great example, right, yeah. of like the extremes that happen in the church. It's like, what? Like they've gotten rid of the traditional music. It's like, no. There's there's a, there's a very practical reason why you're not hearing the organ. <laughs> right. I just had this <laughs> image like, when you said, like, why don't we have more traditional music? Well, because the organ, it you know, we can't get we can't capture the that audio well. Well, they just were able to mic it up. And I had this image of you guys taking like lapel mics, like a thousand lapel mics, and throwing them inside <laughs> the the pipes <laughs> and running all these wires. And I was like, "How the heck do you mic a pipe organ? Like you just put like ten like." I want to know what's in that mug. Uh, little, little 
something special. Yeah. Little something special. Clearly, yeah. I always have coffee when we drink. Oh, when we drink, when we do this, because I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do with my hands. And so I'm like, well, this eliminates half the problem. I will support yeah, a logo. A Speaking of logos, nice shirt, Stephen. Thanks. Where do our parishioners uh, get such fine merchandise? Like um, that? Online. Do you not remember the store name? <laughs> what is the store called? Squad Locker. Squad Locker. Squad Locker. Squad Locker. They're their provider, but I think I think we have it linked on our website somewhere. You can find it. AP.church slash swag store slash apparel slash Steven. Uh, yeah, maybe AP.church slash store. Anyways, we're getting off topic. No one cares about that. Everyone cares. Everyone cares. But they, this is really nice. I do yeah. enjoy this. I wear it a lot. Um, so where are we going with this guy? Well, so are you going <laughs> to be able to develop and utilize the organ more? Yes. Now, especially once you eradicate the 60 cycle the hum, buzz. I believe you yeah. called it. Yeah, I think so. We can start using we can start using the organ probably um, it really as soon as this Sunday um, uh, or next, if not this Sunday. Uh, but there, I mean, with the caveat that there is a buzz in there somewhere happening that we haven't figured out yet. Uh, and the beauty of it is that, that we, you know, sometimes we we say traditional music equals organ, and that's not necessarily true either. We right. we've been doing lots of uh, traditional style music just with piano cello that's true the and, organ could just and, equal uh, phantom of the opera which right. we don't really want that <laughs> in the liturgy <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah all right so i have a question you'll give your love to me i have a question <laughs> and after that i have a lot of other questions <laughs> that we'll discuss later but uh <laughs> my question is i saw this article this week josh and i know you have you had some other things you want to talk about but i saw this article and it was um from some major musical guy in England and he's really concerned about um, a whole generation of uh, choral tradition being lost because of the coronavirus. And, mm. and the thing that he's bringing up is like, especially in Europe where you have like these all boy choirs that they have a very limited amount of time to develop their voices for, you know, pre uh, puberty. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like certain use. Um, and so, and so if they don't get that, then it kind of sets them, they miss out on something that can never be recovered yeah. and that there's also the, the chance that they, they lose out on developing, developing the, the next stages after that, as they become adults. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Like, cause I know that's something that we've been concerned about, right? Like we, it's like, you know, choirs may be one of the last things that come back um, in a full scale because of, you know, what's going on with COVID and all that. Yeah, I have a huge concern. As a matter of fact, it's funny that you bring that up because Ashley and I were talking about that in the music office this week. Um, because there's there's going to be a natural hole that exists. I mean, this is, church is cyclical. Cyclical? Cyclical. Circular? Cyclical. Cyclical. And I think we, you meant secular, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> for 200. <laughs> Trebek. Uh so so like we we have this thing where we start with uh, especially because there's a Catholic school attached to St. Anthony's so there's right. school students here that are learning how to be cantors right they're right. singing in the school choir they're coming to mass they're coming mm. to liturgy yep. they're learning that that set of gifts right they're they're not going to be able to do that probably in this upcoming year right? yeah and we missed several months yeah, because they're going to be live streaming mass in their classrooms this year, right? At least and, for the start. And so, all of those who we would develop, even as cantors, like teaching them to go up and sing the psalm, the, mm-hmm. the response, and and even that developing that set of gifts, you know, like it's your turn, assembly, you know, all of those things 
uh, are taught at that age, and we're going to have a whole gap now yeah. of, of people wild. that won't be. And so what that means is that's going to be generational as we move through, you know, when those kids become teenagers and those teens become young adults and all of that, will, uh, will there be a hole in, in choirs from now on for people who just didn't, they just never got into it. They, they weren't exposed to right, it. Right. They didn't have the opportunity. Reason. Right. Right. I, I learned choral singing in uh, grammar school, Catholic grammar school. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's when I started developing my voice and experimenting with, you know, notes and what I could do with it. And so it is a, it's a huge concern. You and I experimented with very different things at Catholic school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is a total joke. I was, I, I'm so kidding. That's, I just want to point out, I said nothing. Look. Usually I say these same things. And I just want to say for once, the filter worked. <laughs> I remain just kidding. Went to a great Catholic school. Unstained by the world. <laughs> So we ha- so we have this circle. My wife's going to kill me for that. Uh, <laughs> that's now um, a little bit incomplete, right? We're yeah. going to have just a little bit of a hole there, uh, and maybe it, you know, maybe we'll, things will change soon enough, and 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 we won't be it won't be that big of a gap. But I think it's the, inevitable to some extent. Yeah, the longer know? it goes on, right, right. Bummer. Yeah, it is. So, what did you want to talk about, Josh? Um, I think we we've covered a lot of it. Uh, the the only the last thing really that I had that that I think is really good is uh, in 1999, uh, Pope John Paul wrote a letter to artists. And man, if you've never seen that or you haven't heard of it, just go Google it right now because it is so good that it's oh, there's your voice. Oh, you there's your now? voice. Oh. You hear it now. 1999, John Paul II wrote a letter to artists. Just Google 1999. John Paul, lettered artists, and it will be the first thing that comes up, and it is beautiful. It is the most beautiful thing. Um, I've heard people rave about this letter. I've never read it. Well, it's it's not it's not a long read, so it's it's really you know it's super easy to to come across. It's super you know it's just it's great, but it's also good because the content it's it's basically he's explaining how creative people and 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 we as human beings we are creative people and we are made that way because we're made in the image of the creator and so the whole thing is is kind of um aligning ourselves as human beings being made in the image of the creator and it's what gives us our creative abilities and so all of the art everything that we come up with um is is divinely inspired in some way and so the way that we use that, of course, is is up to our free will, but it's it's inspired and it's put in us from God, the original creator. And I'm telling you, I was in tears the first time I read it because it was like John Paul II was speaking directly to me as someone who just loves to create. And, and I, You've inspired me to go read it because it's interesting you say that. We, we had a staff meeting this week, and um, prior to that, I was kind of prepping, you know, what I wanted to say to staff. And I actually didn't go the direction that I was thinking I was going to, but I started, I actually opened the catechism and started reading the section about creation and like what we believe. And, you know, some of it's very, you know, very much just focused on like the practical story and scripture of creation. But a lot of what the catechism says about creation is it's supposed to be us entering into being creators. God allows us to be uh, creators uh, when we enter into that divine life so that we can get a glimpse of what it is to be like him. Um, and so, uh, you know, so anyways, it's, it's just fascinating that you're saying that because that was one of the things I wanted to kind of convey to our staff this week. I kind of went a different direction with it, but I'm always constantly, uh, 
you know, from a, from a staffing standpoint here at the parish, trying to inspire our staff to think creatively, to be creators, to not just settle for the status quo on the way parish life has always been. Not to say that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of good, wholesome things that this parish does and that every parish does that's a part of parish life. But there's also so much opportunity to be creative. Um, and I think that it's when we think creatively as a staff about doing things um, in a new way that one, it brings life into us so that our jobs don't become stale, right? Um, but this could be true for anyone that's even in a volunteer role as a minister. I know you try and convey that with your uh, adult faith people all the time, right? Like, it doesn't have to be the same course that you're going through every year. Like, you can enter in a service project into something or you can teach it in a different way. Um, and every time we think creatively and outside of the box, that is uh, an opportunity to enter into divine life. Mm-hmm. So. It's a great section of the catechism. Highly recommend it. Yeah, you know, one of the things I teach with inclusion as Protestants are becoming Catholic, um, you look at the six days of creation in Genesis chapter one, and so many people pigeonhole that in the creation versus evolution debate, you know, and from what we know from textual criticism, the first chapter of Genesis came far later than the second chapter. The Adam and Eve story actually is predates the six, seven days of creation story. And the reason why that's so fascinating is if you look at it in the five or six hundreds as an authorship, you can see it as a product of temple worship. Because when you read the great story of creation, it's a procession, right? It's in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and the uh, darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then God said, let there be a firmament. And then God said, and then God said, and he's bringing order, right? So the form and the void, he's bringing form in the first three days. And then the exact corresponding opposite days, he's bringing, he's filling the void. So formlessness and void. Well, now he creates the forms. You got light and darkness, AKA time. You have the sea and sky, and then you have uh, dry land. Well, what do you have on the corresponding days? You have sun, moon, and stars, how the ancient people told time right? You have uh, birds and fish. And then on the sixth day, you have the creation of all land animals, cattle, humans, and creeping things that creep upon Twitter. And you have all of these. I say that joke every time I tell that story. Uh, You have these things and it's this grand procession, but the procession does, it it has this dramatic pause on the sixth day, which is the creation of man. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, male and female have created him. But then after this beautiful, huge pause, It proceeds into the final moment of God resting. And for the ancient Israelites, they understood the progression of every week, right, to Shabbat, to Sabbath rest, which then was motivated by a grouping of weeks of years, aka seven years, which gave us a Sabbath day. Then you take seven sevens, and it gave us 49, which was the great Jubilee. So their whole lives were marked by this rhythm of progress, this this, um, procession forward unto God, right? So that even their, even the story of creation, which was conceived as a liturgical poem, right? You could imagine people coming in, singers coming in and singing and the choirs swelling, almost like an Easter vigil mm-hmm. where we use light and we light up the whole sanctuary with it. Like it's this beautiful movement that if you detach music and you detach scripture from the liturgy, you totally lose its, you know, the place where it belongs, right? Mm-hmm. It belongs in the liturgy. And so you have this beautiful procession that when people can see it with those eyes, they see like, oh, there's, there's a whole purpose. There's a whole movement 
to creation. It's not just, wait, 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 if God created light on the first day, then how do you have day and night if there's no sun, moon, and stars until the fourth day? That's not the point. That's not the point at all. <laughs> it's like, this is how we worship the God, by entering God's, entering into God's rest. It's not even our rest. He's inviting us into his rest. That's why when we die, we say what? Rest in peace, right? It's this huge movement towards a point, a fixed point towards which we're going. And then we do that every time we worship, right? It's a renewal of all that. I just think that's so awesome. That is beautiful. It just, made me, it just made me miss miss like a full church. Yeah, yeah no kidding, yeah. right? All those voices singing, mm. chanting, singing. 7 a.m. <laughs> we sang down here in, uh, yeah, we sang. in Southeast Texas. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, this has been great. You guys are very blessed to oh, have I guess, me well, back since, here with yeah, you. I was going to uh, say, since you're done talking, I guess the podcast is over. Ah, well, all the oxygen has left the room. Uh, there's nothing but hot air left. <laughs> Next week, we should dive into prayer and music and how, how like, sung prayer, I guess. And, hmm. like, why it's not just why it's not just songs that we're singing, but why they're sacred in particular and what we're called to do in the midst of those songs. Maybe we could... I don't know. Now I put us on the spot and we have to talk about it. Yeah, I was like, but, wow, he just pigeonholed no, me. No, actually, I'm okay I'm a with free that. bird. No, I'm, I'm good with it. This is the first time we've ever had a podcast planned out a week in advance. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Wait, what? Josh, That's logical. Josh, we can have you back on more. Okay. See, Anthony's got me, got me preparing a week in advance for things. Yeah, you got to. All righty. God bless you all. Stay classy. Adios. Adios, amigos. And nope. Josh. Adios, friends, and Josh. (laughs) Josh, Josh, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. Wasn't awkward at all. God bless us, everyone.